the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Andrea K Show on AM 1170. The Answer is sponsored by Andrea K. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred seven pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Welcome to the Andrea K. Show. I'm your guest host, Timothy Che, filling in for Andrea, who's enjoying a much-needed girls' night out. I host the Radio Red Nation Rising Show, the reddest hour on radio, Monday nights on WAAR. We are America Radio. And while I can't offer you what Andrea can, I do bring six foot five and 215 pounds of Semtex and Seersucker. I hope you enjoy tonight's show. You can friend me on Facebook and follow me on Twitter at TimboTim62. For those of you who aren't familiar with Red Nation Rising, it is a now global community of small-C conservatives of all stripes. Big-C conservatives, libertarians, centrists, and even a few Democrats here and there. The unifying thread is that we all stand for the Constitution and the rule of law. This purely grassroots movement started from a single tweet and has now resulted in over 12 billion social media impressions. Join the conversation by following the Red Nation Rising Facebook page, the at Red Nation Rising Twitter account, and all of our state accounts, as well as the at RNR Europe and at RNR Israel accounts. Baltimore burning. By now we're all tired of talking about how, led by outside agitator Paris Lewis and incited by Baltimore's mayor, Stephanie Rawlings-Blake, Baltimore burned itself down this week. But this is the story that refuses to die, and I'm afraid we'll be talking about Baltimore for some months to come. Jay Wendell Gordon said one of the stupidest things this week. Baltimore is in a lot of pain. This thing didn't just happen in one day. You're talking about decades of marginalization, neglect, being ignored and silenced. These people are finally getting a chance to express themselves. Earth to Wendell, Baltimore has had... Democrat mayors since 1967 when Nancy Pelosi's brother won. Three of the last four mayors have been black, the wackadoo leftist rain tax man Marty O'Malley being the fourth. The current mayor is black and works as a secretary for the Democrat National Committee. The city council president is black, and all 15 members of the city council are Democrats. The Baltimore City State's attorney is black. The chief of police is black. The fire chief is black. And stay tuned in the next segment for an update on the racial makeup of the officers who arrested Freddie Gray. Let's stop blaming this on race and start placing the blame where it belongs, on Democrats and failed liberal policies. Linda Scott's friend, WP, replied to Wendell's post, Sorry, wrong. Black communities bought right into the progressive policies, into not needing a daddy in the home to get food stamps and government entitlements. They bought into having more and more babies and giving up more and more control over their children to get that free ride in the urban slave trade. They bought into voting for Democrats and their eugenic, marginalizing, neglectful agenda. They gave up their power and their voices for the government as daddy massa. The black community brought this on themselves by perpetuating the plantation slave mentality amongst themselves, by buying into the black Muslim narrative, asking them to destroy and tear down the white establishment, telling them not to take part in the quote-unquote white laws, and telling them they didn't have to abide by the same standards of behavior as the rest of the American population. The black man has no one to blame but themselves for the state of the inner cities today. When I was young, my city had an 80% home ownership rate. Blacks were upstanding business owners, went to the same schools as everyone else, had the same opportunities. It wasn't until the NAACP, Saul Alinsky, and the progressives came to town and got the people agitated that things went south. It took them less than a decade to tear down to the ground one of the most prosperous communities in the nation. Because the black community brought, bought into the slave mind mentality, and it brought down everyone. Now, the only last high school standing 
brags that over 90% of the students are on the free breakfast and lunch program. Very few homes are owned. There aren't many businesses standing. What does exist is crime, drugs, prostitution, and dilapidated, crumbling, and boarded-up buildings. Well said, WP. The best post I saw about the full outrage over Whole Foods getting sandwiches to the National Guardsmen in Baltimore was a comment to my malt wall made by Maggie Dean Jurgens. Maggie wrote, let me get this straight. Liberals are running Baltimore. Liberals have created a big mess in Baltimore. Liberals called in the National Guard to help save the liberal city of Baltimore. The taxpayers pay for the National Guard, and typically it would be the liberal city of Baltimore or taxpayers beating the National Guard. The National Guard is helping the liberals out of the mess they created. And liberals are mad that Whole Foods fed the National Guard? And liberals wonder why normal people think liberalism is a mental disorder. And here come the race temps. Al Sharpton, who in my book should still be serving a life sentence for the death of Yankel Rosenbaum in Crown Heights and the victims of the Freddie Sashermark massacre in Harlem, is back in town. This is his pattern. He swoops down on a tragedy for personal gain, foments unrest that is tantamount to inciting a riot, and wings off, leaving a trail of bodies and destruction behind him. But this time, it's even more insidious than it was in Ferguson. Just as hands up, don't shoot was predicated on a lie, but used as a useful distraction, so too is the death of drug dealer and thief Freddie Gray being used as a distraction. A distraction from Hillary Clinton's direct involvement in a scandalous quid pro quo that saw her family foundation rake in massive donations in exchange for State Department approvals that resulted in the Russian government now owning 20% of the United States strategic uranium mining production. That's right, you heard me correctly. Russia now owns 20% of our domestic uranium production. And just where do you think Iran has been getting the uranium that it's been enriching to make a bomb that it's going to use to wipe out Israel? That's right, from Russia. Freddie Gray's death has been used as a distraction from the parlous economic data that was released this week. And worse than a distraction, political cover for one of the boldest attempts to impose de facto martial law that this nation has seen since the Civil War. This administration hates the Posse Comitatus Act, which prevents the military from being used on U.S. soil. He has purged the senior commands of all four branches of the military of those who would not agree to fire on America, basically of those who would not swear allegiance to him and not the Constitution. And now he's using the events in Baltimore to push through his Pez dispenser proxy, Al Sharpton, the idea of nationalizing the police. No, Mr. President, the federal government has screwed up education by wresting local control away from parents and teachers, but we will not permit you to establish your own SS stormtroopers. Which brings us to tonight's essay. Friends, we were under attack by the left in much the same way that an octopus stalks its prey, with many tentacles all moving simultaneously in several different directions at different speeds, using stealth, subterfuge, and deception as its tools, all parts moving ineluctably toward one final objective, the subversion and overthrow of our constitutional republic. How do we know that this is true? They've admitted as much publicly. Just this week, James Carville said that he became a democratic operative because, quote, the voter is basically dumb and lazy. The reason I became a Democratic operative instead of a Republican operative was because there were more Democrats that didn't have a clue than there were Republicans. Ideologies aren't all that important, he continued. What's important is psychology. The Democratic constituency is just like a herd of cows. All you have to do is lay out enough silage and they come running. With Democrats, all you have to do is make a lot of noise, lay out the hay, and be ready to use the old cattle prod in case a few want to bolt the herd. Eighty percent of the people, he said, who call themselves Democrats don't have a clue as to political reality. What amazes me is that you could take a group of people who are hard workers and convince them that they should support social programs that were the exact opposite of their own personal conviction. Put a little fear here and there, and you can get people to vote any way you want. Leaving aside the question of James Carville's morality as to 
using the gifts that God gave him in order to hoodwink good, hardworking Americans into voting against their self-interest. This is the best example that we've had yet that proves what we've been saying, that the left is using ignorant voters to achieve social revolution by taking over our government from within. There you have it, in their own words. The left uses the same approach used by Hitler and the National Socialists. You know them better as Nazis. Deceit and legislative incrementalism. And when they can't gruber us or ram through several thousand-page bills that must be passed to find out what is in them, they implement their totalitarian agenda by means of regulatory rulemaking and administrative memoranda. Remember, Germany was a republic too, but bit by bit, Hitler slowly accreted power arrogating to himself unprecedented authority. He used seemingly innocuous rulemaking and legislation, each new encroachment on the liberty of the German people deemed to be essential, transformative, necessary, weaving a web from which there was no escape, creating a hole that ultimately led to the Holocaust. Are you seeing a parallel yet? As George Santayana warned us, those who do not know history are doomed to repeat it. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on KCBQ AM 1170, The Answer. I'm your guest host, Timothy Shea. Join me after the break with my guest, renowned crime reporter and television producer, Steph Watts, to discuss what's going on in Baltimore. This is AM 1170, The Answer. Want to start living better, longer? La Vida Compounding Pharmacy can help. Proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients, preparing personalized medications with the highest care, quality, and safety. Voted Union Tribune's Best Local Pharmacy, LaVita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at LaVitaRx.com or call 866-507-1990. I'm Nicole Donnelly, and for over 20 years, I've owned and managed Miramar Kitchen and Bath with one goal in mind, to offer great service and great value. Just listen to what our customers are saying. Service was excellent. Easy process, start to finish. We are really happy with our new bathroom. We've already talked to them about redoing our kitchen. They have our complete trust. Call Miramar Kitchen and Bath, 858-271-8434, or visit my showroom, just one half block off Miramar Road on Commerce Avenue. Contractors license 657 One of the hardest things to find may be an auto repair shop you can trust. And that's why so many people bring their vehicles to Tau Auto Repair. I've been going there for at least six years. Lee is the owner. He's always very upfront on what needs to be done, what kind of stuff can wait. I mean, I wouldn't take my cars anywhere else. You don't go back to a place for almost three decades if they're not honest. Let's face it. Everything's always been done right. And after going back so many times, you know, I trust them explicitly. They're not there to run the tab up. When you go to Tau, Lee gets the job done right, he gets it done at a good price, and he gets it done quickly, and you can't ask for anything better than that. For trustworthy and honest auto repair, take your vehicle to Tau. That's T-H-A-O. Tau Auto Repair on El Cajon Boulevard between the 805 and 15 Freeway in San Diego. Call 619-640-4606. That's 619-640-4606. Always a great experience with everybody that works there across the board. Tau Auto Repair, 619-640-4606. Do you struggle with the day-to-day management of your business? Proteus takes the pain out of the business process management by providing you a complete system for efficiency, automation, continuity. Proteus is business solution that wraps itself around your business and grows with you. Gone are the days of multiple programs and systems for sales, inventory, customer management, and financial reporting. Proteus serves your business every day, all day, and revolutionizes the way you do business. Visit us today to see how Proteus can assist you online at www.proteuserp.com or call today, 877-749-3533. Intelligent. Conservative. AM 1170. The Answer. Welcome back. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on KCBQ 11, AM 1170, The Answer. I'm your guest host, Timothy Shea. It is now my great pleasure to welcome Steph Watts to the show. Steph is a freelance television producer and reporter and specializes in crime reportage. 
is produced and reported for ABC's Good Morning America, Court TV, CNN Headline News, The Nancy Grace Show, and Fox News Channel's On the Record with Greta Van Susteren. Steph is currently featured on a new crime series show called Bloodwork on the A&E Network. And check out his blog at stephww.wordpress.com. That's S-T-E-P-H-W-W.wordpress.com. So we're still waiting for him. While we're waiting, I have some teasers for you. One of the things that we're going to be talking about is some new updates on the Baltimore situation, the racial makeup of the police that have been charged today. And you heard at the top of the hour during the news conference that the attorney for at least one of the police officers is saying that this is a rush to judgment. And I couldn't agree more. I have never heard of criminal charges being brought so quickly after an event when all the facts are still being gathered. Just as in Ferguson, we learned that hands up, don't shoot was predicated on a lie by virtue of the medical examiner's report showing that Mike Brown was not shot in the back, that he did not have his hands up, that he had actually tried to wrest control of the gun in Officer Darren Wilson's possession by coming through his window in the police cruiser where he violently assaulted Wilson, nearly knocking him unconscious and wrestled for his gun, which did discharge inside the police cruiser. He was running at Officer Wilson when Wilson dropped him. And the forensics proved that beyond a shadow of a doubt. That's not opinion, that's scientific fact. So too will the facts of Freddie called. And we don't know, we've heard various things, that his spine was severed in a savage beating, that he was bouncing himself around in the back of the van and had a wound on his forehead, which matched the bolt hinge of the door. We don't know what the facts are. Had he had spinal surgery a week ago, as many of the reports had indicated, we don't know. The important thing to do in this case is wait for all the facts to come out. Just like that horrible video clip showing the police officer Slager in South Carolina shooting a man who was running away from him. Well, when you looked at the full tape, you realized that the victim there had rested the taser away from Officer Slager and actually had tased him. Fortunately, the discharge mechanism failed, but Officer Slager had the electrode pins stuck in his chest and in his lower leg. Again, we need to wait for all of the facts to come out so that we can get a full picture of what has occurred before we rush to judgment. Join me after the break with my guest, renowned crime reporter and television producer, Steph Watts, to discuss what's going on in Baltimore. This is AM 1170, The Answer. Convenient homestyle recipes and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego-style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican food. We get it, too. AM 1170, The Answer wants to share the air with your nonprofit organization. If you have an event that is no more than three weeks away, we want to let our Answer listeners know about it. If your nonprofit is doing something to help the community of San Diego, we want to get the word out. Please email event information for your 501c3 nonprofit organization to noah at kcbq.com. That's noah at kcbq.com. Or call 858-535-1210. 858-535-1210. Let AM 1170, The Answer, share the air with you. Do you struggle with the day-to-day management of your business? Proteus takes the pain out of the business process management by providing you a complete system for efficiency, automation, continuity. Proteus is business solution that wraps itself around your business and grows with you. Gone are the days of multiple programs and systems for sales, inventory, customer management, and financial reporting. Proteus serves your business every day, all day, and revolutionizes the way you do business. Visit us today to see how Proteus can assist you online at www.proteuserp.com or call today, 877-749-3533.
Fresh Healthy Vending, the nation's largest healthy vending company, is looking for locations in this area to place its latest innovation. A fresh, healthy micromarket at absolutely no cost to your business. A fresh, healthy micromarket is like a mini health food store for your office break room. Choose from breakfast meals, fresh salads, wraps, hot meals, smoothies, cold-pressed juices, and more, all at a convenient self-checkout kiosk. Now you can offer your employees exactly what they want. All natural, healthy, fresh, and organic foods. Fuel productivity and creativity, decrease absenteeism, and increase morale. Fresh Healthy Vending is offering the first 20 offices that sign up $250 cash and 15% of the net profits each micromarket generates each month. For free information about this exciting and healthy opportunity, visit freshandhealthy.org to request your free machine. Fresh Healthy Vending, the nation's largest healthy vending company, is looking for locations in this area to place its latest innovation. A fresh, healthy micromarket at absolutely no cost to your business. A fresh, healthy micromarket is like a mini health food store for your office break room. Choose from breakfast meals, fresh salads, wraps, hot meals, smoothies, cold-pressed juices, and more, all at a convenient self-checkout kiosk. Now you can offer your employees exactly what they want. All natural, healthy, fresh, and organic foods. Fuel productivity and creativity, decrease absenteeism, and increase morale. Fresh Healthy Vending is offering the first 20 offices that sign up $250 cash and 15% of the net profits each micromarket generates each month. For free information about this exciting and healthy opportunity, visit freshandhealthy.org to request your free machine. AM 1170, The Answer. Everywhere you go on iHeartRadio. Welcome back. You're listening to the Andrew Case KCBQ AM 1170's Cancer. I'm your guest host, Timothy Shea. It is now my great pleasure to welcome Steph Watts to the show. Steph is a freelance television producer and reporter and specializes in crime reportage. He's produced and reported for ABC's Good Morning America, Court TV, CNN Headline News, The Nancy Grace Show, and Fox News channels on the record with Greta Van Susteren. Steph is currently featured on a new crime series show called Bloodwork on the A&E Network, and check out his blog at stephww.wordpress.com. That's S-T-E-P-H-W-W.wordpress.com. Welcome, Steph. Hey, thanks for, ha- thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Sorry for the technical problems. Glad we could get you on. No worries. You had a lot of callers. This is a hot topic, so I understand it's difficult getting through. A lot of people want to want to talk about this issue, so I completely get that. I, I can, too. So walk us through. I was... While we were waiting for you, I was going through a timeline. I said it's very telling that the riots didn't start until after Freddie Gray's funeral. This wasn't a spontaneous outrage eruption that occurred because of his death at the hands of the police. This was an orchestrated event that occurred after his funeral. Uh, you, you were just so unclear because I didn't hear what you'd said earlier because I wasn't on the air. You're referring to specifically the riots. Are you? Is that what you're referring to specifically? I was referring specifically to the riot. The timeline of the riot was following the funeral. Right, exactly. And, you know, this is what I've, I've said all along. If people would just wait for the facts. People don't understand, you know, it was April 12th that he was arrested. It was a week later, April 19th, that he died. We're only at May 1st. People need to understand investigations, particularly of this caliber, take an extensive period of time. So people had just waited for the facts to come in, waited for all the information to come in before they rushed to judgment on this case. And here's what's interesting, and you and I discussed this before the show. Now that we know that six of the arresting police officers, three of them are black, does that change the conversation? And for me, it does. And it actually makes it more disturbing because why weren't why weren't these black officers more more compassionate towards uh, Mr. Freddie Gray? If 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 that's the issue with within the black community, why were they just as as aggressive or just as culpable in this case? Because remember, the one officer, Caesar Goodson, who was charged with the most extensive crime, is one of the officers of color. So what does that tell you? What does that tell us 
about this case. Now, I spoke to many law enforcement officers about this case. Their take on it is they believe they were arrested, Freddie, because of an alleged drug exchange that perhaps went wrong. And they said at the point that they felt that there was no evidence that there was drugs exchanged, they probably should have let him go. They probably should have walked away. But then, you know, he began to assist arrest and things, you know, sort of spun out of control from there. And were well, I, I was understanding that they found a switchblade on him pinned to his pants. Right. But then let's understand Marilyn Mosby, the, you know, came forward and said that that was not you know, an illegal weapon or something that he should have been charged with uh, uh, possessing. So, again, we don't know all the facts. You know, you and I can have a conversation about was it illegal, was it illegal, was, did he have drugs, did he have pre-consisting injuries prior to his arrest, did he have back surgery a week ago, which is still, you know, we won't know until the autopsy report comes out, to the medical reports come out. But does that say to people, go burn down a city and ask questions later. Because you know what? A lot of these protesters have egg on their face because this isn't a racial issue. It's an issue of a deep-rooted cancer that's run within law enforcement for years and years and years that clearly isn't just white officers. It's black officers because half these cops are black. Exactly. As I said earlier in my introduction tonight, Three of the last four mayors in Baltimore have been black. The current mayor is black. Mm-hmm. City council president's black. Half the city council is black. The Democrat state's attorney, or the Baltimore city state's attorney is black. Chief of police and the right. fire chief are black. The only thing they all have in common mm-hmm. is that they're all liberal Democrats, and there is a, it's almost an echo chamber. Okay, you don't get any mm-hmm. dissenting views. There's no outside. There's no political discussion in Baltimore. Or indeed, in many of our larger and Marilyn Mosby, you know, Marilyn Mosby, the, the charging, you know, state attorney. She she's 35 years old. One of the youngest American. One of the youngest in the country. She comes from a long line of law enforcement. Her grandfather was the first black cop in this country, and she charged. All of these officers to the nines. Now, let's see if these charges stick. Let's wait for the facts to come up. But this is what I've said all along, all day. Let's just wait for the facts. We don't know the whole story. You know, and everyone says to me, well, Freddie Gray's criminal history isn't relevant in this case. Really? Well, how come my credit report, my credit rating is relevant to when I go to get a loan or I go to apply for a job or I go to get a cell phone? But his criminal history, his criminal criminal background, when those officers run him at that scene, when their lives are at risk and they find out he's a career criminal, you're, you got to tell me that that doesn't matter? Oh, that's, you know what? How, that's ridiculous as far as I'm concerned. Yes, it does matter. We all make decisions in our lives. And as far as I'm concerned, Freddie Gray's criminal history is relevant. I would agree with you. And here's where I draw the line, okay? In apprehending him, because he was resisting arrest by initial report, mm-hmm. in apprehending a known felon, which Freddie Gray was, there may be excessive force used. And if so, you know, it's very difficult for me to judge a police officer's actions when in hot pursuit or in fear for his life. <laughs> fear of being attacked, et cetera. That's a whole, a completely different conversation. Where mm-hmm. I draw the line is once the suspect is apprehended, and I said this on the Radio Red Nation Rising show on Monday, I don't care if you're a serial killer, I don't care if you're a pedophile, I don't care if you're a rapist, I don't care if you're a cop killer. The humanity of the apprehended criminal needs to be respected and treated with dignity and handled mm-hmm. through the booking procedure just like anybody else, okay, that's okay. where the criminal history does not come into play. We need to mm-hmm. that's where the police brutality charges would come into play, okay? Right. I, 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 but before that time, then that's a completely different conversation, and I'm in agreement with you that it's, yeah. criminal history absolutely is a factor. Great, great, Tim, and I, and I agree with you on that, and I don't mean to be that he should have been thrown around in the back of that van or not treated properly because of his criminal history, but it, it plays into, you know, if, if you look at someone and say, man, this guy's got five felon gun charges, geez, we need to be careful. That's all I'm saying. But I agree with you. And it, there, shouldn't, there should be certain procedures. And I've checked with officers, and they said 
he should have been strapped in that van, you know, safely and securely. He should have been shackled if he was a flight risk. And, you know, hey, Ken, if, you, if I can have just quick 30 seconds, I would love to read a text that I just got from, a, from, a, from an officer who, who, you know, is a, someone who I know who weighed in on this. Who I, I would like to, you know, keep them anonymous. By all means. I, I, I would love to read this because it's, it's really, you know, compassionate and uh, it's something that really, really stuck with me. And this, this particular officer just, just sent me this. And I told him I was coming on your show tonight. And, and this is what they sent to me. And this officer is a police officer, 15 years on the force, in one of the most violent gang areas in our country. And, and, and she, and it's a female officer, said this. People think cops are a gang, like we should expect to be shot and hurt because it's our job. The cops I know took this job to catch the bad guy and make this world safer. Some also took this job because it's a good job. But that doesn't mean they don't also do a good job. The whole it's us against them is BS because some of us are us. I grew up dirt poor. I'm not black, but I'm multiracial, and I've seen prejudice in my life. But that doesn't mean you can defy authority and break the law. I work with whites, blacks, Asians, Hispanics, et cetera, who choose to do this job. It's sad when we're, out, when we're made out to be the enemy. I'm starting not to care about catching the bad guy. I'm more worried about whether I'll go home at night, and if doing my job will land me in federal court or prison or dead. It's sad lately because I'd rather let the bad guys get away with that than to risk everything for people who don't care about me. Seriously, I'm done. A job which used to make me so much pride. Now when people ask me what I do for a living, I lie. Wow. Wow, exactly. Is, is, this, is, this, is this what we're getting to? And again, I'm not condoning the, the, the actions of these officers. Clearly, something went wrong. Clearly, in, in that intense situation, these officers weren't trained to react Properly, but that said, if Freddie had some kind of pre-consisting back industry, in, in injury, he had every opportunity to say, "I just had back surgery. I just had I, my spine's been fused. Please don't, you know, you have to voice it because if you watch the video, he never once said that. He had the opportunity to express any kind of injuries, and he didn't say that. And again, I'm not defending the actions of the cops. I'm just trying to look at the situation and be like, what happened in those intense moments? And again, Freddie wasn't armed. He was armed with a knife. He wasn't armed with a gun. So why did this situation escalate to this? And if this situation can be a window in how to fix things moving forward, then Freddie Gray's death, murder wasn't in vain. I agree wholeheartedly. In fact, I've known several police officers in my life and I would agree with your friend's statement that they're not a gang, that being shot at is not to be considered part of the job. They have families. One of the dynamic tensions that we have, and I'd like to talk to you a little bit more about this after the break, is we all want vigorous law enforcement, but we don't want a police state, okay? We want the Bill of Rights respected. And one of the big language is important. Mm -hmm. We all know this. And language betrays thoughts. And one of the big issues right now is that it's become popular for police to refer to us as civilians. Well, they're not military and we're not civilians. They're citizens and we're citizens also. Okay, we are on an equal par with the police. They have a different job than we do. Okay, but we're not civilians. And I think it's instructive if, if you've got a mentality that, you know, there are civilians out there and that we're this separate segment of society, I think maybe that's where this cancer that you're talking about might come into play. Right. I agree. What else have you heard from your friends about this issue? While we were waiting for you, I mentioned that the attorney, they played a clip at the top of the show during the news break that one of the attorneys for the one of the police officers who had been a, a police officer himself said he's never seen criminal charges brought so quickly. What I said is just like in the Mike Brown case, the MEs report is going to be dispositive in this case. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's going to tell us whether whether he right. was lunging himself around the back of that van like the fellow prisoner that was on the other side of the partition alleged, because we've heard reports that there was a wound to his forehead that matched the bolt hinge on the back. 
Mm-hmm. We're going to find out whether his spine had been fused, as you said. We're going to find right. out if his spinal cord had been severed and whether he had blunt force trauma, okay, indicating right. that he'd been beaten. We don't know any of these things yet. Right. And, and, and you know what? You raise a good point. We don't know anything. We don't know any of these things. So why burn a city down? Why, why, you know, why look at issues like Michael Brown or Trayvon Martin, and those were all horrible situations, and go and burn down Baltimore? Why try to make a correlation between that case and this case when I don't think there is one and burn a city down with all the facts? And I'm telling you, Tim, I've come under a lot of attack today for my views on this, but I still think we need to wait for all the facts. We need to see the medical evidence. We need to go let Lady Justice do their job. Marilyn Mosby had no choice but to, but to charge these officers, and she did the right thing. And, and part of it, as you know very well, it's politics. If she didn't charge them, then there would have been riots. She's charged them. Now she's passed the buck, so to speak, and, and, and the, the, the hands of justice are going to be in the judge and the jury, the people who are going to look at these officers and try them. She had no choice. She charged them fairly aggressively. And, and you know, I, again, I think she did what she had to do. Um, and, and, and I just think people need to be really good. There's a lot of confusion around this issue, and I understand that. But let's not mix apples and oranges. Let's not make Trayvon Martin or Michael Brown about this issue. Yes, Freddie Gray was, was black, and he was obviously died at the hands of police officers. But what happened there? Why was he being arrested? What was he doing? What's his history with these police officers? Again, we don't know all the facts. So why burn it? We don't. Now, let me play devil's advocate with you for a moment here, Steph. Sure. Absolutely. I agree because I agree with you that the charges were brought so rapidly in order to diffuse any further rioting, that it was a political calculation, not a criminal law analysis. Exactly. But let's look at the fallout of this. Mm-hmm. Okay. Six Baltimore police officers now have to hire attorneys. Mm-hmm. that's not going to be cheap. That's going to wipe them out. Police officers are blue-collar workers. They are not living large off the public trough. So now you've got six families that have to hire legal representation. Interestingly, mm-hmm. Freddie's family is being represented by a very prominent attorney that they're not being charged for. Mm-hmm. These officers are going to have to pay for their legal defense. Mm-hmm. When you bring criminal charges in advance of the medical examiner's report, in advance of the forensic evidence, in advance of anything necessary to substantiate those charges legally, mm-hmm. not talking politically, but legally, what you've done is throw six families under the bus. And maybe that's the calculation. Well, in order to save what's left of the city, we're going to throw these six people under the bus. But now the onus is still on the state to prove these charges, right? So correct. And charges can even be dismissed by a judge if they're proven to be insufficient. But here's the key question. Do you think that these six can get a fair trial in Baltimore County? No, I I don't. And 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 let me expand on that also. We need to understand clearly what were the roles of each of these officers. And here's where I'm a little bit lost. And again, I don't have all the facts at this point in the story. But the three original arresting officers were white. We, I, now, the, Caesar Goodson, who was charged with the most serious crimes, was the driver. Why was he charged with the most serious offenses? Well, the three original officers, the original arresting officers were white warrant. So like, there's a lot of confusion in, in this area. Who exactly did what in this time period? And why was, there, why was there six officers involved in this? And who did what? And to answer your question, no, there's no way that they could, they could get a fair trial in Baltimore. It's too heated. It's too hot. And are the three black officers going to get the same treatment and same fair trial as the three white officers. And I'm not playing the race card. I think I'm asking it 
an honest question in 2015 in this in the state of this uh, of racial tensions in this country are they going to be able to get the same fair trial what were their roles versus what were the roles of the white officers I think there's so many moving parts to this that to answer your question I don't think that they can get a fair trial in Baltimore absolutely I agree I agree with you and what's going to happen is any defense attorney worth his salt is going to ask a for removal jurisdiction and B, for bifurcation so that the six are not tried together, that they're tried separately, because then, you, you know, you're going to get into the prisoner's dilemma. It's like, well, it wasn't me. It was it was Charlie. It was, and Charlie says it wasn't me. It was Stevie, et cetera. So that brings us to the question of if removal jurisdiction is granted and the trial is moved, is that going to cause Baltimore to erupt and thereby vitiate the whole effort of bringing charges so quickly in the first place. Is that, is that going to what? I'm sorry, just, just so I'm clear. Is that going to, is that going to trigger when, when these cases get removed to Annapolis or to Montgomery County or wherever else in Maryland they move them, Rockville, is that going to trigger more rioting in Baltimore because they're not being tried in Baltimore? No, I, I, I don't think that that's going to, that's going to have any effect on the charges. I just think it's, it's. No, not the charges on the rioting. Are they going to riot again because the trial is not in Baltimore? Oh, I see what you're saying. No, I, I, I think, I, I don't know. I, again, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm guessing at this, but I don't. That's yeah, a hypothetical question. But. You're right. I don't, I, I don't think so. I don't think people are going to riot over that. I think people want to see them, anybody get a fair trial. Anyone who doesn't want to see a, someone get a fair trial, be it a police officer, be it a, you know, a, a convicted child murderer, be it whatever, then then they're not you know, you know they're not on the side of justice. Anyone deserves you, me. It doesn't matter who it is. What we've done deserves a fair trial. You know, read the Constitution. Not you specifically, but anybody who doesn't think that you know we have we all have the right in this country to a fair trial. And if you can't, well, that goes back. John Adams defended the British soldiers that were charged with the Boston massacre, and he and he took that case just to prove the point. That it doesn't matter who the alleged criminal is, who the defendant is, that they are due a mm-hmm. fair trial under our system of jurisprudence. Mm-hmm. But, but and and I, I guess a really interesting question to ask would be: Could the three white cops get the same fair trial as three black cops in Baltimore, or could the three black cops get the same fair trial as three white cops? And again, I hate to keep driving the racial issue, but everyone's made it racial. Had these protesters have known that three of these officers were black before these riots happened, do you think that they would have still rioted? I actually do, because I don't think that the riot. I think that I think that Freddie Gray's death is the pretext under which these riots occurred. I think that this was fomented from without by uh, Malik Shabazz who was also responsible for triggering the riots in Ferguson. And I think that there's a political agenda here. As I said in my introduction tonight, this is being used as a distraction from the Hillary Clinton, Clinton Foundation, Russia uranium sale scandal. It's being used as a distraction from the economic numbers that came out this week. But more importantly, and this is what, this is what scares me, this is dark underbelly of this, Al Sharpton is now calling for the nationalization of police. Okay. This is a road we do not want to go down. I mean, this is Germany, 1933 right here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I, I personally think that as we progress in this conversation, not necessarily progress in the movement, but I personally think Al Sharpton is, and his commentary is irrelevant. I think that, He's losing his edge. He's losing his ground. I think, you know, uh, he, he was asked, uh, what was the case that just happened? It slipped my mind. He was asked to not even show up at the funeral, not even attend, not even come anywhere close to it. Yeah, down in, in yeah. South Carolina with the, the officer right, right, shot right. him in the back. Yeah. Right, exactly. So, you know, you know, as, as they progress the movement, we need new leaders. We need new voices. We need new input. You know, I posted on social media today, if the same group of people continue to have the same conversations about the same issues, there's no advancement. 
there's no movement. So, you know, uh, you know, I, I understand Al Sharpton has a radio show and Al Sharpton has a TV show. But I, as far as I'm concerned, Al Sharpton is irrelevant and, and continues to inject, inject himself into these, these situations where, you know, he's frankly not welcome. And I agree with you, but that call for nationalization of the police chilled me because that's the last thing is we need, that we need is some national brown shirts. We've got to go to a quick break, but uh, please stay with me and we'll close it up on the other side. Sounds great. AM 1170theanswer.com. Hear us anywhere in San Diego and the world. AM 1170theanswer. Want to start living better, longer? LaVita Compounding Pharmacy can help. Proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients, preparing personalized medications with the highest care, quality, and safety. Voted Union Tribune's best local pharmacy, LaVita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at LaVitaRx.com or call 866-507-1990. I'm Nicole Donnelly, and for over 20 years, I've owned and managed Miramar Kitchen and Bath with one goal in mind, to offer great service and great value. Just listen to what our customers are saying. Service was excellent. Easy process, start to finish. We are really happy with our new bathroom. We've already talked to them about redoing our kitchen. They have our complete trust. Call Miramar Kitchen and Bath, 858-271-8434, or visit my showroom, just one half block off Miramar Road on Commerce Avenue. Contractors license 657 AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on KCBQ AM 1170, The Answer. I'm your guest host, Timothy Shea, and we're talking with crime reporter and television producer, Steph Watt. Steph, one of the things that I want to talk with you briefly, we only have three minutes. I mentioned before that there's a dynamic tension between wanting vigorous law enforcement and fearing a police state. Mm -hmm. You and I would disagree, I'm sure, on a range of political issues, but I think we're also in agreement on certainly one thing, and that is our love and belief in the United States Constitution, particularly Mm -hmm. the Bill of Rights. Yes, I'm I'm constitutionally conservative and and proud of that. I tell people that all the time. People are confused by that when I tell them that. (laughs) I'm constitutionally conservative. Well, I call myself a constitutionalist. I'm a registered conservative. I left the Republican Party five years ago, but I am a a constitutionalist. I don't care what your view is, left or right. If you're hewing to the Constitution, you're okay by me. Exactly. So, so where do we, let's talk a little bit about this dynamic tension because we've got the military providing MRAPs and you know hardware from Iraq and Afghanistan on our streets, and we definitely we don't want a situation like the shootout in Miami in 1989 where the police were significantly outgunned by drug cartel bandits, but. On the other hand, we don't want a police state. Where do you see this issue going forward? Well, my concern with what happened in Baltimore, and and again, I'm going to try to be, I don't agree with the violent protesters. I agree we all have a right to to protest. Uh, We all have a right to uh, voice our opinion publicly. I don't agree with looting and destroying of of businesses and and burning literally burning down a city. However, that said, I do understand the culture of rage and frustration. I think we've all gotten to our. You know, I tried to look at this at a really personal level and thought, okay, I've gotten to the point in my life where I've and it's been very rare because I'm not an angry person on the temple where I've gotten to that breaking point where I'm so angry, Tim, that I just lose it. And that's what's happened here. So why are those people at that level? Why are they there? And my fear is if this sort of secular group in Baltimore is there, who else in the country is at that sort of breaking point? And what is it going to take to spark them? And then where does that put us? That puts us in a forced police state because now we've got people running around acting crazy and burning down the cities and, you know, 
we have no point. We have no choice but to react. So what I'm trying to get at is we need to have conversations and honest conversations. And you know, it's funny. I got messages today from people. I agree, and I'm sorry I got to cut you off. We we got to go, Steph. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Love talking with you. Thank you for your insights on the facts of the ground in Baltimore. I want to thank my good buddy, Andrea Kay, for entrusting her show to me tonight, and I hope she had a great girls' night out. If you like tonight's show, please join me this Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific for the Radio Red Nation Rising Show on WAAR. We are America Radio. You can find us online and join us in the chat room at www.newsninja2012.com forward slash radio live or by using the live 365 app and searching for WAAR. Finally, our podcasts are always available on SoundCloud. Just search for Red Nation Rising. I hope you'll friend me on Facebook and follow me on Twitter at TimboTim62. I'll have links to the show there as well. Thank you to our guest, Steph Watts. Please be sure to regularly check the Red Nation Rising Facebook page and all the Red Nation Rising Twitter accounts for the latest community news and information on upcoming Twitter blitzes. I hope that you all have a great weekend. Andrea will be back next Thursday. I look forward to continuing our conversation on Facebook and Twitter. We are together making Red Nation Rising a force to be reckoned with. Fellow patriots, until we meet again on WAAR next Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, keep fighting the good fight and keep rising. The Andrea K. Show on AM 1170. The Answer is sponsored by Andrea K. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.